Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 69, week 69, volume 69, number fucking 69. How going guys? How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. So this week's guest is Connor from Our Hollow, Our Home, and that will be coming up later in the show. So I thought I'd start things off with a lovely rating and review we got from iTunes over the past week. And it was by C9Slugs on iTunes. He gave us a 5 out of 5. Thank you, brother. He also reviewed it and commented, Very good podcast and great interviewer. Love the Colin Young of Twitching Tongues interview. Hope to hear one with Taylor Young in the near future. Thank you so much, C9Slugs. Really appreciate it. That's the kind of thing that we'd love to hear, that you're enjoying the content and you're enjoying episodes. We are in talks with Taylor as well to get him on the show. That will hopefully be coming up before the end of the year. Guys, if you're using iTunes or not using iTunes, help us out. Be like C9Slugs. Get in there. Give us a rating. Give us a review. All of it goes into an algorithm that gets us out to more listeners. Basically, it goes together, and when someone else listens to a metal or a music podcast, there will be a recommendation of the Mosh Zone. So every little bit helps. We need your help. So that leads me into the usual. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. Don't forget to recommend us and review us on Facebook. And don't forget to like and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. All of those are at the Mosh Zone. Let's kick things into gear and get into the part of the show we're all here for, and that is this week's Mosh interview. This week, I got to sit down with Connor from English metalcore band Our Hollow, Our Home. Got to say thank you so much, Connor, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. It's a really fun chat. I think the band are, without a doubt, one of the hardest working bands in the genre out of England. They do everything independently. And they are really nice chaps, really good chat with Connor, good insight into not only about himself, the ins and outs of the band, the English scene, all of that will be coming up in the chat. That chat with Connor is coming up now. So I always start with kind of a bit of a simple one in some ways, and it's, do you remember, not necessarily a heavy band, but do you remember a band that helped you find music as a thing like was there a band that really started everything off for you i mean if i'm going like way way back mm. um so when i was like 12 maybe 13 years old i got super into uh like nirvana and green day they were like the two big bands for me when i was like growing up like especially nirvana like i literally just wanted to be kurt cobain when i was that age that was like yeah they were like the first band that i was like really like wow like playing music is definitely something that I want to do. Like, I don't know what I'm going to play, but I'm going to do that. So, yeah, I mean, like, I used to play guitar a little bit in bands. Like, when I first started, I I could not play a thing now. (laughs) But, like, I used to do it for fun with my friends, literally when we were, like, kids, like, playing at, like, youth clubs and stuff like that, like, Battle of the Bands and things like that. And I guess that, yeah, like, obsessions with those kind of bands, like Blink-182 as well, another band, um just having these little obsessions when I was like, yeah, coming into my like teenage years, that kind of like started it off, but kind of branched out. And I started listening to bands like, um, like 
Parkway Drive, mm. um, a day to a day to remember, Under Oath, those kind of bands, and started to get into like the more heavier side of things, and yeah, it just kind of went from there. So you were kind of so everything started off kind of punkish then, or a little bit grunge, but what, what, yeah, yeah, for what sure. About, what about Nirvana drew you in? Was it the the angst of it? Was it the passion? Yeah, for sure. I think it was definitely the angst of it, like as you say. Um, I think I just like yeah the grittiness of the music videos as well. I think it was the the general like don't give a fuck attitude and like I, yeah there was just something really really cool about it. I don't know why, just super appealing. So I'm when, sure a lot of people can relate to that. <laughs> so when you were at school and you start getting into grunge music and you you know in your early teens, do you suddenly you know start associating yourself as an alternative punk kid? Like do you start dressing up as a punker? I mean, I guess like I grew my hair really long when I was younger. <laughs> um, yeah, like I guess I started getting like piercings and stuff like that when I was like 15, 16, a little bit like, yeah, like my parents were always super cool with it. Like my dad used to tattoo for a little while, like back in the day. Ooh. And like, yeah, so like I got my like my lip pierced at like the tattoo shop he worked at at the time and things like that when I was like 15, 16. Like, yeah, no, it was yeah i don't know like i guess i I did kind of express myself through my image uh, like in my school years as well like i had a few friends at school but i had like um like a good few friends that i'd made like in and outside of school and then at like shows um like when i started i started going to shows when i was like 14 uh in bournemouth which is the town i'm from so the rest of the guys in a whole home are from southampton Mm -hmm. and i'm about an hour away from those guys in sunny little bournemouth Mm -hmm. right by the beach yeah, man. Wow. So, you know, school, by the sounds, was school a bit of a isolating time for you? Or was it kind of a thing of, I just want to get out of school and get on with life? Yeah, like school wasn't like, I mean, I had bad times at school, um, for sure. Like, um, I wasn't like a super sporty kid or anything like that. I was never really into sports in my school. And that was like quite a big thing where I went. Um yeah school wasn't a great time for me but it wasn't like i didn't have the worst school experience ever like mm-hmm. i just kept my head down got through it yeah like i i got like um i i don't know what you guys would call it in your country but i did like a levels so i stayed on at school to get like extra qualifications before you go to like college university that kind of thing but mm-hmm. i didn't end up doing that because i was just doing bands at the time and uh when i was like 16 i uh went uh, up, I met. Well, I spoke to some guys on Facebook. Uh, they were a band called Deadlines at the time, and they were auditioning for a vocalist. Mm. And like, I wasn't in a band at the time. I'd been in like a couple of like melodic hardcore bands, um, nothing serious. Just played like a couple handful of shows like in my hometown. But yeah, so like they um, heard of me. I don't know how, like just through my bands and stuff, and messaged me. I'd never met these dudes. They were a lot older than me. I was like sixteen. They were all like early 20s i didn't know any of them and i just went up on the train one day uh, auditioned and yeah that was the first time i met toby from hollow and wow. i've been yeah i've been doing bands with him ever since so since i was like 16 um yeah i ended up being vocalist for deadlines i stayed at his house that night and yeah <laughs> so i mean you mentioned guitar in there so um what age did you pick up the guitar and you played a few bands and what made you decide to transition from giving that a go or really cracking on and deciding to pick up a mic? I mean, I always did 
when I'm when I'm talking about like local bands like actually playing shows, it was always vocals for me. Like um, yeah. I played like a little bit of bass guitar in like one band when I was like yeah like twelve thirteen, but like yeah I don't know I did like a, I did I got to grade one I think on the guitar back in the day back in school, but like yeah I I guess I just kind of went more down the writing lyrics kind of side because when like I was doing it for fun with my friends, I was the only one that wanted to do that side of things. And I couldn't sing at all, but I just enjoyed <laughs> doing it. And yeah, then like as I got into metal, I was like, oh, let's give this the shouting stuff a try. Give the screaming stuff a try. And I just kept practicing at it. I used to like wreck my voice all the time, but you just find a way of doing it. It's kind of comfortable. And yeah, people tell you you sound okay at doing it. And you're like, oh, I'm going to keep working on this. I'm just going to focus on doing this. And I do enjoy like, yeah, just, yeah, vocals. I do enjoy being a vocalist. It, it, yeah, I get a kick out of it. It's fun. So when when you're first starting out doing the screaming stuff, was there mm-hmm. a vocalist or someone that you were like, if I can sound like them, I'm halfway there to achieving what I want to achieve? Because I think a lot of vocalists have someone they inspire towards being like. Who was your you know, inspiration or motivation? <sighs> I mean, it was so many different people, if I'm honest, because I was, like, into so many different types of, like, I know people say, like, metalcore, but, like, metalcore is quite, like, a a wide, there's a lot of bands that kind of fit in that category. So, like, Mm. I was super into um, uh, Michael Crafter's vocals, uh, like, the original Prom Green vocalist. Yeah, 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 I was super into his vocals. I followed him in Confession. Uh, Yeah, I really liked his vocal style. Yeah. Jeremy McKinnon, a day to remember, like mm-hmm. they were one of the first bands that I kind of like, like they really, what what they were doing at the time just sounded really cool to me. The way they mixed the pop punk with the hardcore and like watching them play like hometown shows when they had like For Those Who Have Heart out and stuff like that album is forever in my like top 10 albums. I love that album. And yeah, I just loved, I loved their sound at the time. So the hit, yeah, I liked his aggressives back then. Um, Winston McCall, of course, as well. Mm-hmm um i always get i always see on youtube comments like people call that say like compare my vocals to phil bozeman from Whitechapel. i get that quite a lot hey that's not a bad like, reference I, yeah not a bad thing at all he is an insane vocalist like and like still holds it down like absolutely incredible um yeah like so i did listen to a lot of Whitechapel back in the day to be fair like this is exile and stuff like that so i had like a bit of a deathcore phase we all did a lot of like yeah, yeah, Carnifex, that that kind of thing. Yeah, I was super into that for a while. So you mentioned with your voice about blowing it out. Um, what what have you learned now over the years? Because you know, without going too far forward, you guys are a very frequently performing band. You guys get out there and do multiple multiple shows on the We're go. Trying to be, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what do you do now with your voice to make sure it's okay for the second night? Have you got a routine? Do you make sure you rest? Um, yeah, I definitely do have like somewhat of a routine. Um, and that is purely through learning that if you don't do that, you're going to have a bad time. Like you can't do like 17, 18 shows back to back without having, yeah, without like looking after your voice and it sucks when it goes. Sometimes you can't help it. Sometimes you get ill. Um, and yeah, like there's, there's not really a lot you can do, but, um, yeah, being a vocalist on tour can be quite boring at times not to like say that i don't appreciate touring or anything like that but like 
I mean, you do have to be sensible, like, uh, to an extent. So, like, I do the um, Melissa Cross uh, screaming warm-ups. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've heard of those before. Yeah, I do those. Um, a lot of people swear by them. I'm definitely one of those. Um, yeah, we do the – me and Toby do the warm-ups every night, and Bobby as well. Um, yeah, they're super helpful. Um, we're lucky enough to be endorsed by a company called Vocal Zone as well. Mm-hmm. Um they do these little pastels, which are absolute godsends. One of those uh, when you're cooling down your voice afterwards as well. So I have to do warm-ups and cool-downs. Um, like, it's kind of just stuff that I picked up from watching YouTube videos, but it's kind of the general kind of idea, I guess, is like bringing the chords back together because obviously it's quite like if you're playing like an hour set, it's very like demanding on your voice. Mm. And you're not just doing aggressive vocals like you're shouting at the crowd, like you're putting on a show at the end of the day and you want it to be the best show that you can give. Because I've forever beat myself up for thinking I've not given the best performance I could have or what, or what have you. But there's so many different factors involved. You just have to try and be as responsible as possible, like looking after it. I mean, I'm not saying you can't have fun and like have a couple of beers after a show or whatever. That's totally fine. But like you just have to be sensible. Yeah, you got to treat in it, my experience treat it anyway. Like a, you got to treat it like an instrument because it is an instrument. I mean, if you're mm. if you're playing guitar and a string breaks, you got to fix that string and retune it. And your vocals is yeah. just a different instrument. Um, now, getting into some of the our hollow our home stuff, one of the first things you mentioned in there before was you started getting out to local shows, and obviously, mm-hmm. um, what was it like? You know, looking back, what was it like at local shows then to now? Was was it a sense of community that kind of helped you, you know, basically meet the guys in that first band that then linked into Our Hollow? I mean, when I, I, I I'll be a hundred percent honest and say I don't go to that many local shows anymore, which is a shame, I guess. But I just it, it's a struggle to find the time a lot like to be completely honest and oh yeah they, they are quite few and far between sometimes as well and I, I still don't drive so like getting some getting to like southampton for shows for example which is where a lot are that can be a struggle sometimes um but i mean when i used to go to local shows a lot more when i was younger um i guess there was kind of a sense of community like especially like where I live in Bournemouth, there used to be, um, there's a venue called Anvil there now. It's changed. It used to be called uh, Ibar when I used to go there a lot young, when I was a lot younger. And they used to do a lot of, like free shows or like shows for like two pound entry. And they do like pop punk versus hardcore nights. And it'd be like a couple of really cool bands like uh, a melodic hardcore band called Heart and Hand used to play there all the time who did like pretty well back in the day. Um, yeah, it was just. I guess it did feel like more of a scene. Like it was always the same bands, but like everyone came because we knew all the people in the bands and we wanted to see them play a new song or like that kind of thing. So, I mean, for me, that was a bit of that growing up for sure. I mean, I wasn't really a part of the scene that I like. I mean, it's yeah, where the guys are from in Southampton, like I wasn't too much in a part of that scene growing up, if I'm honest. Mm. But I mean, uh, what, one thing that's kind of funny is Toby was in a band called Ghost on Pegasus Bridge. Because um, Toby's uh, a few years older than me. And uh, yeah, I used to actually go watch Ghost on Pegasus Bridge live 
Um, mm. I used to think they were sick, and I definitely had a poster of Ghost on Poses Bridge on my wall, <laughs> which is kind of weird, considering that like, I didn't even realise when I went up to audition for deadlines, like when I was like sixteen, and then I got there and I was like, I recognise this guy, like I know who this guy is. <laughs> I've and got yeah, him on I was my like, wall. Oh my God, Toby from <laughs> yeah, that's so freaking weird. He was like, they did like a shoot for a magazine called Kerrang, and they were all wearing like Ghostbuster suits. <laughs> so I had Toby dressed as a Ghostbuster on my wall when I was a kid, and I just find that hilarious. <laughs> so strange. Um, now deadlines, when you first, you know, went for that audition at 16, was mm. it, was the band at the time just kind of, it was like, oh, I'm just going to have some fun with this. Was it a band that was taking things seriously at the time? Like what was, what was deadlines like when you kind of joined? I think, um, we didn't, re- we were a band that didn't really know what we wanted to be. Um, Toby has always been the primary songwriter when I've been working with him in bands and he's he's an insanely talented guitar player and he's an insanely talented songwriter um, but I think we were kind of a band we were heavily inf- influenced by the Amity Affliction and mm-hmm. um, but we, we were kind of mixing a lot of like technical kind of like I guess you call it like degent kind of guitar in there as well mm-hmm. and at times it was a bit it was a bit messy it kind of sounded like we didn't really know what we wanted to be as I say Um but like we had fun yeah we enjoyed it it was i don't think we took ourselves too seriously um but it got to a point with deadlines where we were like no i think we need a clear slate i think we need to kind of we'd written uh rest assured in a version as deadlines and um this was towards the end of 2012 and we were like we kind of need to just start we'd had a couple of lineup changes and we were like right i think we need to just yeah wipe the slate clean and um rebrand as it were and uh, that's when we, yeah, decided to change the name to Our Hollow Our Home. And, uh, yeah, we started from from scratch with these two new songs. Yeah, and you released that as a double-track single. Um, yes, yeah. So you kind of, you did that for, that was 2013, um, if my memory's right. Yeah. And then... Yeah, it was, we dropped a version in 2012, and then we dropped Rest Assured with the video in 2013. Yeah, and then there was a couple of years gap before the redefine EP. And mm-hmm. during this stage, are you guys getting out and playing as many shows as you can? Because anyone that follows the band will know that you guys are a DIY band in many senses. Um, you guys yeah, work, I you mean, guys work very hard at what you do. Yeah. I mean, it is, I mean, everyone has their little role to play within the band. Um, and yeah, we we try and yeah run it in house as much as possible. And that's not to say that we don't like welcome help. And we have a lot of amazing people that work with us. Um, our manager Mike, our PR agent Emma from Public City. We have yeah um, Martin, our booking agent from Avocado. We have an amazing team of people that like fully believe in our band as much as we believe in our band. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sorry. What was your original question? I completely lost my train of thought. Yeah, you're all good, man. You go on tangents as much as you like. So what I'm kind of saying is that that period before the EP, there was quite a yeah, gap. that was it. Yeah. So there was a gap between yeah. that. What was what was going on? Were you guys just working hard and grinding at it, like. Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you. We had the EP written and recorded, sort of a year within into that time, and we were sat on it for far too long, um, and mm. we were going kind of between management at the time. And um, we, yeah, we ended up just getting to a point where we were like, no, I think we've we've sat on this long enough. We need to get more music out there. We we'd done like maybe one or two UK tours, mm-hmm. 
and just like a lot like hometown shows and sort of south coast weekenders and things like that just trying to get sort of like you know just build yeah a name for ourselves sort of in the local area as it were um yeah and then uh, yeah we managed to finally drop redefine and we just decided to put it out ourselves and that was kind of i guess the first kind of step of us being like yeah we want to kind of like do this ourselves as long as we can because yeah we we know we can work together at it um yeah and then we, we've had a couple of lineup changes within that time um and i think when we dropped uh feast for the crows was kind of when we started to kind of again kind of take the rebranding kind of approach we're like right we've kind of laid the foundations with redefine of what we're about and the kind of sound that we're going for but yeah i think that was a, a big step for us dropping that next single so how old are you when this ep drops because a question i've got is at this stage you know are you thinking that music is the thing you only want to pursue or are you still having to have something on the side to bring in the you know the cash because something that people don't realize is you got to have something else that's bringing money in unfortunately unless you're slayer dude 100 percent. i could not agree more um i still work at uh h&m so the clothes shop yeah okay yeah so that yeah that's my day job um the rest of the guys will still work um so nick uh he runs uh, a studio Mm-hmm. Uh, he runs a company called Horizon Studios. He's only been doing it a few years now, but he's doing really like he's doing really well. Um, he just records uh, local bands, local artists. Um, yeah, runs like a just like an in-house studio with his friend Connor from a band called Acres, who are incredible. You should yeah, definitely check I, out. Acres. I think I know their name. Yeah, I, I yeah, incredible that. band. They're, they've just been on tour with Casey on their like last tour, which yeah, yeah, looked really cool. So, um, so yeah, so. Yeah, see, so you've you've always had that kind of mentality in the back of your head that you kind of, unfortunately, you know, doing this doesn't it's, come it's for free. It's kind of a, like a life decision, I guess. Like, mm. I, I mean, it's something you constantly battle with, if I'm 100% honest. Um, I mean, Josh still works at, Dave, he works at Tesco's. Um, Toby's a chef. <clears throat> Bobby's a lifeguard. And, yeah, I fold T-shirts and sell T-shirts. But um, <laughs> You've got to make the money however you <laughs> yeah. can, man. This is it, man. This is it. And if you're lucky enough to find, um, you know, people that can work or like be flexible and help you, you know, like chase your dream. Um, it's it, yeah, it's awesome. So, I mean, we're all lucky with the situations that we do have with work. Um, is there, is yeah, there we try, been... we, we're forever playing more and more shows. That seems to be the way it's going now, which is obviously the way we want it to go. But yeah, you do kind of have to take, a step back on everything else and put it all into the band at this kind of stage because yeah that's that's where we want it to, that's where we want it to go we want to be able to do this you know and it yeah keep us going that would be that's the plan was there ever a time at the start when you know you you first <clears throat> doing things was there anyone you know family wise or friend wise that are saying look i know this is something you enjoy to do but yeah, really, you shouldn't be focusing on this. You know, doubters in this kind of scenario are pretty common, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I think we'd be, I'd have to say we've been very lucky in the sense that we all have very supportive family and friends. Mm -hmm. Um, I think from the start, people have always kind of pushed us, especially as like with Hollow, when we were kind of, we're really starting to take ourselves a little bit more seriously. Like we don't, like not in like a, like, yeah, ott kind of way but we were like you know this is yeah we actually do want to make a proper go of this so i think 
people respected that the people close to us and um i mean yeah you have people that you know at the end of the day we know we're not reinventing the wheel of what we're doing here we're not we're we're playing metalcore everyone knows the sound that we play but we write the music that we want to play because we enjoy playing it yeah um and if people it resonates with some people and some people enjoy it and dig it then that's awesome and yeah um we're just going to keep doing what we can do as long as we can and hopefully you know that doesn't have to stop anytime soon but yeah. um well, yeah I mean, as i say you, you're always gonna have people that are gonna doubt you along the way that's for sure but i think if you just believe in what you're doing or you enjoy it enough you just kind of rise above it well i think you if, if you look at the momentum you guys have got i don't think it's going to slow down anytime soon being honest i don't think at all i think the momentum you can see has been shifting bigger and bigger when redefine came out this was at a time when the English scene was starting to see a bit of a rebirth because England went through a bit of a scene where you guys were dwindling a bit is probably the honest way of yeah, looking at sure. it. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Did you see the scene start to take an uplift at this time and how did the EP impact for you guys with turnouts? Was was it well-received locally for you guys? Um, I think... To start with, it was a bit of a grind. We really had to push that EP. We had we toured the hell out of those songs. Um, locally, um, they went down so well. And we uh, played a local festival called Takedown Festival for a couple of years. And yeah, we really did build our name a name for ourselves in Southampton. Uh, we helped the Joiners out, which is our local venue. Massive shout out to the Joiners. Um, incredible little venue. Um, my favorite UK venue for sure um yeah just yeah it's 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 a venue that even when you're like younger playing local shows it's the venue you wanted to play like the sound's always this sick the vibe's always awesome and yeah it's just a pleasure playing there but um yeah i think it took a while for the ep to really sort of for us to see it kind of really resonating with a lot of people but um yeah i mean that's the gift of the internet these days i guess because it i don't think we would be able to connect with our fan base with that, like as well as we do without it. And it is in, like our fans are incredible. We wouldn't be able to do it without team OO and the support we get from that group. Um, yeah, it is astounding. Um, one yeah. thing, one, <laughs> one thing that's quite astounding is, um, you know, you guys rolled into your, you know, debut release Heartsick, And were you ever considering, trying to get some label backing i know being in a, on a label is a bit different now but the way you guys marketed not only heartsick but the most recent one in moment in memory um yeah. is really unique for an independent band now you guys know the value of merch you know the value of logoing and you know little odds and ends making making the fan feel like whatever they contribute to the band they're going to get rewarded for was that is, is that all intentional and yeah the first part was did you ever look at maybe signing to a label yeah i mean we 100 percent did think at one point in time yo can we actually push this without a label is that something we can do are we going to be able to reach the maximum amount of people that we want to like well yeah is that achievable and i mean it's we have had like labels like interested in us before but um we've kind of come to the realization that with the team that we have 
and the people that we have behind us and the way that we operate at this stage we can get our music where it needs to be yeah without the help of a label and i guess that was kind of our realization i mean when we started writing writing heartsick i mean as i didn't i didn't really mention with redefine a lot of those songs we had written like for a really long time and then obviously recorded and sat on for a really long time so i think when we were touring it it felt like we were playing songs we've been playing for so long we just we did that cycle and it was I don't think we were as excited when we started to get to Heartsick when we were writing those songs. I mean, we were, and back to Heartsick, we were originally writing it as two EPs. So Ooh. it wasn't going to be a full length album. Um, yeah, it was going to be like a, like a cohesive theme through these two, two EPs, but we decided to do it as an album and just, yeah, go the, go the whole hog with it really and do it ourselves. Cause we were like, well, yeah i mean look at it we can we can do this ourselves there's a way there's ways we can distribute this online to a wider audience um we can promote this it's going to cost us money it's going to cost us a lot of money we were all putting a lot of money into this from our day jobs there was months where it would be like pretty much my whole paycheck would go into like a music video or like half of it would go towards a photo shoot or towards artwork or merch you know like it was it was costing us all a lot of money personally as i'm sure anyone in a band will tell you it does at that kind of stage and um yeah it um i think it was rewarded though i think a hundred percent a thousand percent like the reactions we got to heartsick were crazy and like the first uk tour we did after dropping that album was just insane because i mean as you said like the uk scene did kind of dwindle for a while and to have that many people come into a uk metal metalcore show was kind of cool like yeah it was it was sick because hardcore was a real big thing here for like a few years and it was kind of like hardcore shows or no shows pretty much that was kind of that's what it felt like for a little while like not in like a real negative way like obviously people went to metal shows but i just mean that was the that was the hype thing at the time and i think there's always these little kind of sub genres that pop up that are hype but it was just cool to see so many people just coming for just some yeah standard generic metalcore you know well i think heartsick it definitely put you guys in a way on the map um not only <clears throat> through the music itself but you guys playing more shows you guys started which is i think it's in its third year will be in its fourth year you know start this halloween thing that you do halloween yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's really quite interesting that i think <clears throat> that album for being a you know potentially wasn't going to be an album and a debut one was really quite mm. pivotal in your guys cycle um 100 percent, man I, I think i don't it's really quite exciting because also that was when i noticed how interesting your merch is um and you saw it <laughs> you saw it even more in the in moment in memory but going into that last bit about the heart sick cycle can you explain to listeners about this halloween thing you do and why did you start doing it it's a festival kind of day that you do in southampton but yeah what was the idea so, I mean, <laughs> we, we decided we wanted to do, like, an annual show. And um, that we, we were just talking about practice, and I think it was Toby who suggested Halloween as, like, a joke. Um, just because there aren't really that many festivals going on around that time of the year. Like, festival season's pretty much over. And, like, yeah, there's nothing big, like, alternative-wise really going on in Southampton. So we were like, why don't we just, yeah, do Halloween, put it on as a Halloween show, um, we timed it so we could do it as like a 
uh, well, we played Heartsick and Full, uh, the first one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was like we'd only played one Southampton show that year. And we were blessed to get uh, the guys in Crystal Lake to be players' main support who are doing so well. And yeah. I could not sing that band's praises any higher. Nicest guys and just beyond talented. Like, I just have the biggest grin on my face every time I see them. Like, they're just insane. But, um, yeah, those guys came. We had Holding Absence, uh, uh, Shields, R.O.P., an amazing band. Mm. Um, yeah, we had a bunch of friends playing. Um, and, yeah, we all wore makeup. And we all just had so much fun that we were like, yeah, awesome. Uh, we, I think we just said on stage, like, who would be down if we did this again next year? We were kind of thinking of doing that. And, yeah, everyone was stoked. So did it again, moved it to a bigger venue for the year after. And, um yeah last year was even bigger and better than lot the than 2017 so uh yeah just it's yeah gonna hopefully be an annual event that we do every year now and um we hope it just keeps growing the rate that it's growing it's it's just so cool to see so many people come out and just have fun it's a great it's a it's a fucking sick idea it's a great idea like it's a really you know and it, that, by the sounds it was something that was kind of stumbled upon just by chance you know but yeah um, literally we just thought it'd be fun to do you know a halloween show and then you know we were like right let's make this an annual thing and like we're doing um last year we did uh, the road to halloween which was like a, a battle of the bands and then like the local band who wins that competition gets to open uh, the show at halloween and uh we did that at the joiners so it helps helps out the vo- local venues as well um yeah we're just trying to make it grow as organically as possible um and just yeah do our thing it's just something that we like to do yeah and it gives back it gives back to the fans but it also gives back to the local scene so it's really quite yeah it's awesome to see um i think that's something that a lot of you know other bands around the world can probably take a bit of inspiration from it's it's really yeah i appreciate that man thank you it's awesome to see um Going into the most recent album, In Moment, In Memory, um, being a sophomore release um, or sophomore album, um, was there any nervousness and expectations and pressure going into it? And then a second part of that question is the emotion and personal things for it that are in that album, was there also extra weight on expectations with this album? Um, I mean, the thing with Emotion in Memory is it's difficult. It's difficult for me to talk about emotion-wise, uh, simply because this album was something that it was a, almost like a process that Toby needed to go through. As I've said before, um, Toby is an incredible songwriter. Um, he's always been the main songwriter in any band or project I've worked with. And, um, I mean, I feel like it's a way a lot of bands operate, but yeah, Toby is the, the mastermind as it were behind our whole, our home. Not that we don't all contribute, but Toby is, yeah, the, the brains behind the operation. And, um, this album for him, um, after losing his father was something that I think he found a lot of solace in. He found it very cathartic writing this album, um, it, it was it was challenging at times, but it, it was something that he needed to do. And um, yeah, I think I think he did an amazing job. Um, we all put a lot of time, 
blood, sweat and tears into the album and um, just everything surrounding it and the whole team involved in making the project what it was and is. Um, yeah, I, I could not have been happier with how it came out. Were you, and I know were Toby's you nervous, proud of it too. Were you nervous about, you know, doing it justice? Because it's one of your close friends. He's a member of your band. You know, there's probably a brotherhood and mm. that kind of thing going on. And you're... You're given the task of helping create this on CD for him to help in his grieving process and help, yeah, you of know, course. relay the emotion. Are you? Did you go into recording going? Oh, I hope I do a fucking good job here. You know, I, I need to really dial it up here. I mean, I think the thing about again about a moment in memory, although it is Toby's journey, there's a lot of. It, it does cover grief, but grief is a very, it's, it's a broad spectrum. I mm. mean, it can be, I, I think Toby wants it almost to be, almost to be relatable to a very wide demographic, a very wide audience, like a, like anyone who's going through an experience like this can relate to it. So, I mean, the loss of a loved one um, is obviously a main running theme, but then, the loss of a partner like the, the end of a relationship that can also be kind of translated within some of the lyrics in the in the tracks and i think once you find your own emotional connections with it and obviously as i'm contributing lyrics towards the album as well um toby primarily as i say wrote this album um but in terms of contributing it you find your own ways to relate to the lyrics and yeah you put your own emotions into it as well and I think I always have this feeling that I need to outdo myself when I go in the studio. I try and do better than I've done before on record. I mean, there are times, so for example, when I did the Shape of You uh, cover that we did mm. a few years back, I was I was actually horrendously ill when we recorded that. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was super <laughs> ill. Um, and I couldn't hear some of the notes I wanted to hear, and it didn't come out quite like how I wanted it to come out. So I think when we got back to recording, I was just like, yeah, I need to nail this. I need to kill this. And um, I, I, my voice was wrecked after we finished tracking for a moment of memory, especially the second half. Fuck. Um, yeah, like absolutely ruined because it just went so in. But you know, it was worth it. I'm so happy with how it came out. Yeah, you can you the, you can hear the emotion in every part of that album, and it's yeah, it's it gives goosebumps. I think a lot of people when they they can relate in any way, shape or form to, as you said, a part of their life. It doesn't necessarily have to be a lost one through um, no, death. No, 100. It, yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's amazing. When when you guys were getting ready to release it, um, some bands say that second album is always really nerve-wracking because it is, some people say there's this, the sophomore curse of, you know, the second album, will it be good or will it yeah. be bad? Yeah. Um, were you nervous going into the release of the album? And then how how has it gone for you with the reception of it? I think um, there was definitely a kind of, this album is very dark. And mm. we were kind of like, yeah, okay, this album's dark. How how are people going to, is this going to go down as well? Obviously, Heartsick, it had quite dark topics like, covered within, but it was... Overall, there were there were some lighter parts on Heartsick than there are on A Moment of Memory, for I, I'd say, and I think we were a little bit worried about how that would be received. Um, and obviously, it's a very, a very, as you say, emotional topic, and there is that 
we were a little bit stressed about yeah how how are people going to receive this but i think we were fully astounded with how well it's gone down um especially in europe um and like the just the the messages we receive and the love we get from our fans at shows and like the like the the gifts we get and I mean, it's it's still kind of crazy for us, like our little band to like be saying things like that. Like we've had people bring us little like crochet knitted um, wow. little little bits <laughs> of the in moment of memory artwork. We have that hanging in our van. Um, yeah, we get like sweets all the time. Like someone bought me a you know like little tech decks like finger skateboards. Yeah. Someone made a custom our whole our home tech Ooh, deck for me. Oh, that's epic! How sick is that? That's yeah, it's gnarly, man. <laughs> Fucking awesome! Yeah, <laughs> literally, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. But yeah, no, um, just yeah, we have like the most incredible fans, and I think, as you say, how so many people have found some kind of solace or some kind of relation to what we've covered within this album is just amazing, and it's. I, I just love playing those songs live. Um, I feel like it's the most polished version of our sound that we've that we've created so far. And I don't know what where we'll go next, but it's yeah, it's I'm just yeah, I could not be happier with how the album cycle is currently going, and I'm really stoked for what we've got planned for the rest of the year. So how are the how are the show turnouts for you guys? Are you seeing it even improve? I mean, as you said, you you're is kind of stepping up its game, but England obviously must be stepping up a game. Is yeah, oh, of course, of course. I mean, we've done two headline runs this year in support of In Moment in Memory, um, UK and Europe, um, and both have been they've exceeded our expectations by a long shot. Both tours just been, yeah, like absolutely incredible, um, just in terms of turnout, in terms of response to shows, um in terms of how well new merch is going down in terms of like the support bands we've had it they've just been some of the most fun tours i've ever done so what's what's ahead for you guys through this year and into next year i mean uh, there was only about a year turnaround from heartsick to in moment in memory so are you guys working on new music or is it just you're going to tour as much as you can this year and then maybe next year look at new music? What's the what's the go in the camp for the year? I mean, we don't I'm not going to I'm not going to lie to people. We don't have a, a brand new project or anything in the works currently. Um, I think we've low key started working on some new stuff. But um, at the moment, the plan is, yeah, tour, tour, tour for us, um, especially through yeah this year into next. It's just going to be us getting out as much as we physically can. Um, we've got uh, next week, we're, we're playing Slam Dunk Festival in the UK, which nice. is um, really cool for us. Really looking forward to being a part of that. And then we um, we continue on from Slam Dunk after a headline. Well, sorry, uh, we're playing main support to Wage War in London day before Slam Dunk. And then we're going out with those guys uh, around Europe for a few days the week after so really looking forward to playing with wage war they're one of my favorite metalcore bands at the moment so really oh, looking forward it. to seeing them they're, they're killing yeah, it yeah um they're dope man what about what about america for you guys and and more importantly for for myself what about australia what <laughs> what's um you know has there ever been talks in the works is it something that you guys are always going to try and achieve you know 
Yeah, I mean, it probably sounds really bad of us when, you know, we get comments on Instagram, comments on Facebook, and we're sort of constantly replying, yeah, we're trying, we're trying. <laughs> In yeah, 100%, yeah. all, on, all honesty, we have 1,000% had talks. We've had dates written down for Australia. We've had, you know, conversations about getting to Japan, about getting to America. But the the harsh realities of being where we are currently financially as a band um still under hollow music so as as ourselves um doing this independently still um it is a bit of a challenge um yeah Yeah. it's it's not it's not something it's it's obviously something that we will 100 percent try and achieve within our life our lifetime as a band it's just it telling telling you a time or telling you when or you know, a month or something. It's, it's just not something we could do right now. But 100%, it's it's something that we would love to do and given the opportunity to, um, which well, we hope we will get. It's it's not um, easy for you guys, especially with, you know, you take <clears throat> Australia as an example. We are halfway around the world. So getting to us is not a cheap yeah. thing to do, um, whether you've got backing or not. Um, and when you guys are still independent, of course it's going to be hard to do. Um it's also checking out logistics. You know, you guys would want to get on a show or a tour where, you know, you're going to have a, some help with the turnout, you know, not just coming out on your own. Exactly, exactly. I mean, we're blessed that um, we are uh, part of the Amazing Avocado Agency. Mm. Um, so uh, we're looking forward to working with them. Uh, we've only recently started working with them. So we're really looking forward to the future we have with them. Um yeah, we just hope, fingers crossed, because it's on the bucket list for all of us to uh, come and play to, you know, the fans we have in America and the fans we have in Australia and the fans we have in Japan and the rest of the world. We want to play to everyone who has given our music the time of day and we will ultimately try and achieve all of those places. Um, It's just when and how is currently, yeah, undecided as of yet, but we'll get there. Yeah, fuck yeah, you will. Yeah, look forward to it. hundred percent, man. Um, for sure. Couple other questions before we wrap things up, mm. and one is for you know for someone like yourself in a band that is so underground and independent and DIY. Um, the record industry is very much different now to probably when you were growing up. Uh, definitely was when I was growing up. You know, no longer um, is a record label necessary, but a lot of it is geared towards your music being so accessible. Do you see 2019 being a time when the power is in the artist's hands and you can do whatever you want? Or do you think we're still trying to figure out the process with streaming, with finances through streaming and all that jazz? I mean, it's, I think, as you say, it's never going to be, it's never going to be easy to profit solely if you're just putting music out online in this day and age i don't think that is like a financially viable plan um something you should um no matter how talented you are just solely distributing your music yourself online i i don't i don't yeah it's difficult Mm. because you know there's just not the money in streaming and you make the money from touring these days that's how it comes across at least i mean i'm not super educated on the subject but i think that is predominantly where the money's kind of coming from for the artist at least 
um, in music these days. And as you say, I think that was very different, say, 15, 20 years ago, even. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not really sure. I mean, yeah. Are you the, excited being in a band in 2019 at the fact that you can do what you want in many senses of the word? Yeah, I think, I think the sickest part about it is that people are no longer confined to signing to a label to get you in touch with this person that can put you in a studio. You mm. can make the studio in your bedroom and that's totally fine. And you can, it will sound good if you get the right gear or if you just know the right things to do on the right software. Like, I mean, even with like things like, like uh, I'm super into like the, <laughs> please don't burn me for this, but I'm super into the whole SoundCloud rap thing. That's super I know you are. And I, I have yeah. respect, I have respect for you that I think anyone that yeah. likes whatever they like. Yeah. I've, I noticed with your stories, you do love some very obscure rap. I'll give you that. Yeah, I'm super, super into my hip hop and yes. yeah, my trap music and stuff. But I just mean, I think it's a super cool time to be an artist in general in that sense, mm. 100%, because you have full creative freedom. You haven't got a label saying, oh, write this or this is the, these are the beats we have for you. You can just go, no, well, fuck that. I'm going to make my own fucking beats or I have this friend and he knows the kind of beats that I want to use so we can write together, you know, like that kind of thing and um same with music it's like oh well i have a, i have this guitarist friend we can i'll just take my laptop over here and we can get this audio interface it's not that expensive we can plug this in oh look we've got a studio going in our bedroom awesome you know like it's i don't i don't think that was as much a thing going back like 15 20 years ago do you know what i mean no i don't think there was but the one thing that i think you guys in bands now experience that um no one did 20 years ago is um, because of streaming and social media, you kind of have to stay relevant. You have There's a pressure to stay yeah. in the eye of the listener because if you don't do something for two months, some of your fan base might forget that you're going on because you're not appearing on their Spotify as much or all of that stuff. Yeah, this is one thing we're very aware of, I think. Um, I mean, one thing I've... like. I, I think that we do strong... We, we, we are constantly posting content and we... Uh, one of our, we pretty much think of him as a band member, but our photographer, Ollie Duncanson, who comes with us on every tour, uh, does all our video footage, all our photos. Um, yeah, he blesses us with a wealth of material, which is awesome. It's very, very much needed in this day and age, as you say. You need constant content. You need to be trying to stay relevant and constantly just in the feed. Like, And you can't just be spamming the same thing. It needs to be new, fresh content because that's people just are almost kind of fickle without realizing it these days i think with that kind of stuff it's like you need instant gratification all the time with the internet so like it's, it's yeah crazy. you're constantly chasing the next thing do you know what i mean yeah and the pressure that that then spills on is it's a bit weird because they they expect to see something and then you as you said you don't yeah. want to rehash it but also you want to make sure it's something that lives up to their expectation in many ways. Because if they see a new 100%. shirt and they go, I don't like that shirt, nah, I'm over it now. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. Exactly. You've got to appeal to this very wide audience that you've made for yourself and, you know, constantly be putting out content that, yeah, not only is, like, not the same, but is enjoyable content. It can't just be, yeah, it can't be terrible. No, it's a weird. It's a weird time, and you guys, mm. I think anyone that pays attention to your social media will see that you guys make sure you're um, staying in the eye 
Um, that doesn't mean forcing it, like not just putting it out, but you're staying in the eye. Um, question I've got, which kind of in a way links to that, is you mentioned earlier about, you know, you guys are metalcore um, and you do what you do. Has has that has that tag of that genre ever gone against you guys? Have have you ever said, you know, someone said, oh, you're in a band. You're like, yeah, and they're like, what genre are you? And you go, metalcore, and they go, Oh, no, I'm not a fan. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess there is, for whatever reason, there is a bit, there is a bit of stig- stigma. I guess a little bit, but I think that's just because, like, everyone, ev- like, there's so many people in metalcore bands. You know, it's like a real rife thing again. Like, there's a lot of metalcore bands out there, and um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess like metalcore's had some interesting bands, but like through through the years. And as I said earlier, it's it covers such a wide spectrum of bands. So if someone just has a certain opinion, if someone thinks, oh, metalcore, like crabcore, attack, attack, long emo fringes, skinny jeans. <laughs> nope, not about that. I don't auto-tune vocals. Nope, not not getting involved. Like there's there's other bands within that genre because you could class attack, attack as metalcore, of mice and men as metalcore, but then kill switch engage are also metalcore, you know? Mm. So it's a wide, very wide spectrum. So yeah i think i just don't think we really care if i'm honest yeah like, we've kind of got to a yeah. point where we're like we literally we've always said when we're not reinventing the wheel we are just writing what we want to hear and what we want to play um and writing it to the best of our abilities and what we know we can do well and yeah we just try and have fun with it i mean we're never going to be that band that's no perfect live because we're too busy jumping around like idiots and spinning and <laughs> you know, like jumping around with our fans and getting in circle pits, you know, and just doing our thing. Like we literally try and put on a show because we get more out of it when everyone else is having a good time well, rather I think, than just I... standing and watching it. Like it's like an exam for us. Like, I wonder how well they're going to play this song from Heartsick I've listened to like a thousand times. Like we wanted you to sing it along with us and have fun with that song that we all know and love, you know. But you've owned it. I think that's probably crucial in what you were saying there is – some bands uh, don't, you know, just say, "Look, we're just we're just doing what we like." And yeah, it's you might have heard it before, but we do it and we do it well. Um, it's a tried and test formula, but hey, that's us. I think some bands yeah. that fight that and say, "No, no, 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 we're we're a little bit different," and then you hear it and you go, "No, you're not. You sound like yeah. everyone else." That that sounds like architects. Yeah. I think that 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 probably helps you guys. Is it? Yeah, you you do that, and also you say, "Hey, lump it or leave it." You know, uh, take it or leave it. You know, enjoy it or not. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like, yeah, we're not expecting every single person who puts our CD on to be like, "Wow, I really love this." Like, but that we're not writing music for everyone. We're just writing music that we like to play, and we're blessed that we do have people that enjoy and like what we do. I fucking love it personally. I'm just, yeah, you know, I'm just appreciate it, man. Yeah, fucking got all the boys onto it. Ever, you know, they, I just Sick. love it, especially Heartsick. That was my pin- pinnacle. I love In Moment in Memory as well, but Heartsick was yeah. was my gen. That's the one that got a lot of other mates of mine into you guys. Was that album? Um, now, last two questions I got before we wrap things up is for you as a vocalist. Um, when it comes to performing and uh, writing lyrics or co-writing lyrics, do you do you enjoy the process? Is it a part of you that 
finds it cathartic and a vent or is it something that you know as you mentioned earlier you're your biggest critic or is it something that you're always just trying to push yourself and go that's not good enough got to go better do you ever enjoy it is what i'm trying to say yeah i do definitely enjoy it um sometimes it's it it is a bit of a challenge i mean like it's like within moment in memory especially i didn't really contribute as much towards the album as i did say heartsick or redefine for example um i think like that's why i started doing like i do a little like soundcloud project just for fun on the side because i do just really enjoy writing and not even just necessarily metal i just enjoy writing lyrics and you know having fun with words as lame as that sounds <laughs> like just messing around like you know like with the wordplay and things like that um and I, I do I do practice my vocal technique in my own time as well and try and work on that, which is not something I've done religiously over the years, if I'm honest. But like the more we've started playing shows, the more I've realized the importance of that. And it's something I enjoy doing as well. And I want to get better at it so I can have more, more fun on stage. So, um, yeah, like writing and performing for me, like, I enjoy them both equally, but like you couldn't have one without the other, one hundred percent. Like, yeah, it's the yin and the it's yang. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting to perform is it's almost like a, a treat for it. Like, yeah, it's nice. Um, what what were your goals when you first you know started up the band compared to what are your goals now in the band for you personally? <sighs> I mean, it's, it sounds really lame. Sorry, my mum always reminds me of is um when i get like down about the band or something or like stressed about it for whatever reason she always goes you always used to say the one thing you wanted to do was tour the band around europe and we've done that multiple times now and like that was for me when i was like first getting into bands and stuff that was like the one thing i really wanted to do like say i played shows in other countries kind of thing Mm. um and I think, yeah, that was like a big thing for me personally. Um, but I think we just, we always have just wanted to take this as far as we think it can go. And with the people that we have behind us and the fans that we have, I think it only makes us like want it more because we want it, we want to push that to the biggest plateau, like the biggest point that we can get it for their sake as well. Yeah. It's not just it's not just about us anymore. Like, it's about the people who listen to music and like what we do. And because we we don't want to stop writing it, and we've got we've got plenty more in us, that's for sure. So it's you know, as long as we can keep doing this, like realistically, financially, and all that stuff that we don't really care about, but you kind of have to care about. Um, yeah, we just yeah want to just keep doing what we're doing and like take it as physically far as possible, but. I think we touched upon it earlier, but going further afield in terms of shows is something that's very high on the agenda for us, I think. I can't wait to see you guys branch out to America. I think you guys would explode there, to be honest. I think your sound would be very well accepted and taken on board. And um, last thing is... I hope so, man. Last thing is, would you know, you look back at your 16-year-old self when you were starting out, um, or, you know, a bit younger, really, technically... Um, is there a piece of advice you'd give yourself from back then? In a way, what would you say to a kid that's now getting into a band and wants to give it a go? Is there a few words of advice or vital things you wish you knew when you first started out? 
I mean, if I was specifically talking to myself, mm. I'd probably be like, Connor, Get you're going to play a cover of Slipknot <laughs> at a youth club in a, in a few days' time, all right? You're 12. You're not going to do this, all right? <laughs> Sit down, stop, stop playing with your Star Wars toys and listen, okay? <laughs> no, don't do that cover. It's terrible. A kid breaks his arm. Everyone has a bad time. Don't do that. That's what I would do. Um, no, in all seriousness, if I could go back and talk to myself, um, I'd probably just say like, just like embrace it a little bit more. Don't be like, don't be so like negative about the shit times because everyone who's in a van will tell you about the shit times. And that's the times where the van breaks down and the times where there aren't enough bunks in the van. So you've got to sleep on the seats with some merch boxes. So it's long enough for you and like shit like that. Like, Mm. You know, like the, yeah, the long nights, like the the shows to know people, all that kind of stuff. You just kind of have to power on through and like just appreciate it, like every little last bit. Like, because the reason that we all still do this is because one, we like writing, but we love playing the music that we write. Like, play, like performing is like the reason that I do this 1000%. Yeah, fuck so, it. Yeah. Like, and the, yeah, and like getting to tour and like the reactions that we're getting, like that seem to just keep growing. Um, yeah, it's super humbling, man. Super humbling because like I still think of us as quite a small little band in my head. I think we all do a little bit. And um, that's seeing a great the progression like have. firsthand. It's just, yeah, it's fucking crazy, man. It's literally mad. Like you have to kind of stop and appreciate it from time to time. Yeah, fuck yeah. And look, you're speaking to some random podcaster from Australia. I mean, that just shows where you've gone. Yeah. That's tight, man. Your yeah. accent's so much cooler than mine. No, no, yours is better than mine. No, let's be serious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, the last thing we do on this show, everyone gets it. It's called Pick mm. Your Poison. Now, what I do here is, Connie, you get two options, and you've got to pick your favorite right. of the two. Okay. Okay, so look at it this way. Whatever you pick is what you stick with for the rest of your life. Look at it that way. What? Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, some are going to be easy, some are going to be hard. All right. Now, we'll start okay. off We'll start off with, would you prefer a pizza or a burger? Oh, I'm I'm like vegetarian, pescatarian, so I'm going to say pizza. I'm going to go with pizza. Okay, Chinese takeaway or Indian takeaway? Chinese, can't handle spice. Uh, beer or whiskey? Or oh, whiskey. Ooh. Uh, mayo or brown sauce? Mayo, okay. every time. Would you prefer to eat at home or go to a restaurant? Oh, I'm definitely like a homebody, so I'm going to say eat at home. Okay, so the next one will probably be the same. Would you prefer to go to the cinema or watch the movie on your couch? Oh, yeah, definitely move you on the couch, for sure. Um, now, you live in England, so I don't know how this next one's going to go. Would you prefer the beach or the snow? <laughs> the beach or what? The snow. Oh, the beach. I'm from Bournemouth, and there's like a nice beach in Bournemouth. I, I'm very happy with where I live. Yeah, I'll go with that. Uh, skateboard or rollerblade? Oh, skateboard. I broke both my arms skateboarding one t- once at the same time. Oh. Yeah. Oh. That was shit. <laughs> uh, cat or dog? Cats. Cats for life. Really? Wow, you uh, cat I absolutely dude. love cats. Yeah. Like, have, quite passionately, clearly. <laughs> have you got a couple? 
I do. I have two cats. Hey. I've had I've had many in my time, but yeah, I have I have two cats. One called Whisper and one called Jack Jack. Hey, Jack Jack sounds like a character. Yeah, they're little dudes, man. Love those dudes. Uh, PlayStation or Xbox? Uh, Xbox. Okay. Batman or Superman? Um, Batman. Uh, James Bond or Jason Bourne? Uh, James Bond, I'm saying classic. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Rambo or Rocky? Oh, Rambo. Uh, Terminator or Predator? Predator. Freddy or Jason? Freddy. South Park or Simpsons? South Park, every time. Uh, corn or Limp Biscuit? Oh, I'm gonna have to say Limp Biscuit. That was a hard one, though. That was real hard. Hey, that's a good. That's a good shout. That's a good shout, though. Biscuit. Um, yeah. Slayer or Pantera? I'm gonna say purely based on the amount I've listened to either of those bands, Pantera. Yeah. Um, Metallica or Megadeth? Uh, Metallica, because I've seen Metallica, and they were sick back in the day, live. Uh, Van Halen or Motley Crue? Mm, Motley Crue. Uh, football or rugby? Oh, that's a terrible question, because I want to say neither, but I'll go with football. <laughs> I, stay, I stay British. You got to well, both are British, really. I mean, oh yeah. To be fair, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> so that shows how much I know. <laughs> uh, would you prefer to have stage dives or mic grabs? Ooh, um, oh, can we have both? Um, stage dives, stage dives. Okay. Would you prefer to go to a show and watch it from the mosh pit or watch it from up the back? Um. I'm going to say from like 16 to 19, I would have said from the mosh pit. But now I'm going to say from the back because I'm boring. (laughs) No, it's just because you're wise. That's all. Yeah, this is it. Exactly. Uh, Would you prefer to tour or record? Oh, wait, say that again. Would you prefer to go on tour or record? Uh, Tour. Tour, 100%. And the last one is, would you prefer to own an album on CD, vinyl, or downloaded? Um, I mean, the hipster in me wants to say I would have it on vinyl, but I have a very small vinyl collection. I have like 10 vinyls. Yeah, pretty pathetic. I have a lot of CDs. But, I mean, for convenience, I am a Spotify user, so... It's tricky. I mean, I'd, I'd want it on vinyl, though, if I really loved the album, vinyl. Yeah, see, I'm the same. I, I love vinyl and CDs and I collect them, but the convenience on a phone is something mm. unheard of. I can't get over the convenience of it. Um, I yeah, never used I can't to... bring my vinyl player on tour, you know. No, but not only that, but I never used to be able to put enough albums on my iPhone. I always had to take an album off to put an album on. It was always annoying. Yeah. Um, now it's mm. all there on yeah. the app. It's crazy. Pure convenience, yeah. You don't even have to plug your phone in, none of that. Yeah, it's great. Um, Connor, you're an absolute fucking legend, dude. That is us. We have smashed it out of the park. Amazing. Sick. Yeah, no, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, my friend. Go on, go on.
my chat with Connor from Our Hollow, Our Home, and at the end there you heard their song Carmadilio from their debut album Heartsick, and you also heard the song Wraths from their most recent album In Moment in Memory. Always at this time I tell you guys, get online, get down to your record store, get on eBay. If you enjoyed the chat, if you enjoyed the music of Our Hollow, Our Home, support the guys, buy some merch, buy a CD download the music whatever it is that you do to support bands make sure you support these guys thank you again connor much love much respect much appreciated dude and look forward to catching up soon in the future so that's it that's the mosh zone episode 69 done dusted all wrapped up locked away for this fucking week Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget... You can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. 
There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.